Yeah. Oh, I think no, but it's still up as a story. Love that. <clears throat> Mike Greenfield doing the Lord's work. We are recording. <laughs> Is he really? No, are we, we really? are recording right now. I'm glad I didn't say what I was about to say. I know, but we're we're dancing around what we did <laughs> danced around last episode, and we're just not going to get into it, guys. You'll have to DM us. Say what is that thing you guys keep referring to that you won't that you won't speak about <laughs> on the podcast, and we will tell you, but we will not tell you now. Dan, how you doing today? Feeling good? Great. You don't have, you don't have COVID anymore. I no, no, I don't have COVID anymore. Are you on airplane mode? Yeah. What was happening was I needed to go onto Google Docs to find my notes, and that involved going off of airplane mode. But yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> You're peaking. <laughs> In decibels, not quality. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like all measured now and shit. I Normally know. you'd be like, I, I'm a I professional. Came in, I came in being like, oh, Dan's finally getting what he wants. I'm fucking going to riff hard. And you're like, can you take it down a peg? I mean, I like, I congratulated you on your efforts and also used some racial epitaphs on my own. So I feel like everything's even. <sighs> yeah. Theme song by Yousef Geronda. The moon, the moon is a mega structure. Roland Emmerich, probably a Nazi. Hello and welcome to a slightly different German accent than the last one I did for Werner Herzog. <laughs> this is Roland Emmerich. Wait, let me let me repronounce that again. This is Roland Emmerich, <laughs> Six Reich, director of such classic gems as 2012. <laughs> um, Moonfall. Roland, Roland Emmerich directed independence day he did all right so that's a nice tie-in to last week yeah there's there's some common threads uh throughout um, you hear that listeners they call that a plot thread that's a plot thread people we're uh elevating the podcast a little bit to a bit more of a overarching narrative structure you're welcome the moon is like the wind <laughs> flowing always changing why is he mixed with tides. professor fring now <laughs> um uh Today we'll be doing Roland Emmerich's Moonfall. Um, this is a new movie yeah, from him. I watched a new movie, guys. Dan did it, and and I got to say, after watching this one, <laughs> feel like I've been missing out. <laughs> no, this this was uh, a movie that did not get um, public attention at all. It, it flopped right on its belly. Um, Money well spent, and um, cost quite a bit to make. This is not <laughs> to kind of buck against the trope that you're riffing on. This is not a good representation of new movies because this movie was called out for being like something from 1998 and um, punished for it. So this is <laughs> this is not what a new disaster movie looks like. This is a very specific auteur, if you will, I who's been at this for <laughs> a very long time, yeah. making a very special genre of music of uh, movies. And do you know what that genre is, Dan? 
um, fucking 90s disaster films? No. Okay. That movie, that movie genre is divorce. <laughs> this man has been at it for fucking years making movies about divorce. Now, I know this is going to be... <laughs> gonna be pretty far out there to say that um, <laughs> master of disaster Roland Emmerich Holland Emmerich is actually not making disaster movies he's just making one sad divorce movie after another um, most of his films um, are English language and uh, have made more than three billion dollars worldwide uh, just over one billion in the US making him the country's 15th highest grossing director of all time Roland Emmerich. I buy that. Um, divorce court. Um, let's start with Independence Day. Joe, Joe, Jeff Goldblum and his wife are divorced. Yeah. Um, Bill Pullman and Will Smith are both separated from their partner for the duration of the film. Love um, is fickle. Love is fickle. Um, <laughs> uh, Godzilla. Matthew Broderick's Nick Tatopoulos is divorced. He um, also killed a man. And <laughs> that was Bane. And he <laughs> <laughs> I was born in divorce. Same man. You were merely a tourist. Um, <laughs> um, day after tomorrow, Dennis Quaid and Seal Ward are divorced parents. These are all his movies. And personally. it was snowing in that one. It was snowing in the sewer where I was born. Um, <laughs> 2012. Never heard of it. John Cusack and Amanda Peet are divorced, and the stepdad is killed so that Cusack can shine. That's another trope in Roland Emmerich's movies is if there is a stepdad, his ass is grass. So is Roland Emmerich's parents divorced or has he himself been repeatedly divorced or presumably both? None of the above. From what I what? from what I found in my searchings, <laughs> none of the above, Dan. So he's like he's like divorce facing? He's doing divorce he's face. He's doing divorce face. A hundred percent. Good call. <laughs> Um, he's now, like looking longingly. He's like when, when like you'd have uh, the kids who like would get in trouble all the time because they had fucked up home lives in high school. And then there'd be like the kids who came from like the perfect household who had like an ideal life who would like try to fit in with them because they like were like romanticizing after their despair. Uh -huh. This is Roland Emmerich. Um, Independence Day 2. Uh, he like celebrates his half anniversary at home. He's like a lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, Jeff Goldblum still divorced. Same character, but do look, they, do they mention his divorce? That's the important part. The point is, <laughs> the man is clinically obsessed with divorce as a narrative trope. Um, uh. And 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 look, um, I got to give it to him. He's drawing from greater works. He's drawing from other works because, like Independence Day, <laughs> divorce cinema is. Is a is an island unto itself. Um, uh, in Volcano, 1997, Tommy Lee Jones is a workaholic dad who, in the course of the film, vanishes, vanquishes a volcano and reunites his family. Fantastic. In movie. Dante's Peak, Pierce Brosnan is an emotionally shut down, work obsessed scientist, but is clearly uh, a heroic dad potential. And by the end of the movie, he accepts his role as a daddy to the children of his new girlfriend. Are you sure you're not talking about? Uh... Uh, the the VR movie we watched that does sound that does sound suspiciously like it, but no, that's what, not it. What movie was that called? Um, uh, Lawnmower Man. Yeah, Lawnmower Man. In Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, um, 
It borrows a lot from all sorts of disaster movies, including the narrative thread in which deadbeat, divorced dad Tom Cruise must work very hard to keep his daughter safe from the aliens. Close Encounters is a divorce. I kind of like War of the Worlds. Yeah, up until the third act. Yeah. That's, that's when it fell apart. They, they call that the Hancock. I do suggest that anybody that likes the War of the Worlds check out the Epic's original series, War of the Worlds, with Gabriel Byrne. Really interesting. Oh, I watched some of that. Really weird take on the War of the Worlds mythos that I don't want to spoil, but I will say that if you watch that show, you need to make it to the second season because in the first episode of the second season, they explain every single mystery from the first season in about 10 minutes, and it's like almost ludicrous that all of the information in that second season wasn't in the end of the first but it it is an interesting take Uh, i'm a lifelong war of the worlds fan i love the original one i have it on criterion from the 50s nice um i used to have a lamp in my room in college that was like shaped like one of the tripod ships it was really really cool that my mom gave me she was into the war of the worlds we always would watch that movie together when i was younger um mom was a big orson welles fan was she yeah she did irony is not uh, lost on her. Actually, it is completely lost on her. Anyway, um, uh, Twister, divorce drama. Um, <laughs> the recent San Andreas film with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Carla Gugino, uh, divorce drama. What is this? Uh, there's a new movie that came out a couple years ago called San Andreas. Based on Grand Theft Auto? No, uh, where the San Andreas fault explodes. It's a huge disaster movie, Holland Emmerich style, and um, sucks. It was really bad, and I watched it. Um, of course you did. The Abyss and Outbreak are both divorce dramas. The Abyss. Um, wow. And Armageddon uh, is a divorce drama as well with Bruce Willis um, being a yeah, single but that's piece of a, shit when, when you have, with aphasia. But Ben Affleck and uh, uh, Liv Tyler get married in, at the end in the credit scene, so one wedding negates one divorce per film rules that's true so that's a net zero divorces i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna object to armageddon being included on this list and then finally moonfall uh in which um uh, dan enden's favorite actor um what's his name jason patrick what's his name the the star of moonfall yeah that's um, uh old uh you know Patrick Bateman. Patrick. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Patrick Wilson. Generic white man for a generic white name. And he spends the whole movie being all like divorced, broke. Son hates me. I'm uh gonna. All right. D- do you have the sample? Of what? Ain't divorce crazy? No, that's. I mean, that's not a literal <laughs> quote from Spiral. At no point in Spiral, dear listener, does Chris Rock directly go. Ain't divorce crazy? See, if you really wanted to get me, you would have had a sample of me imitating Spiral. That's true. I've thought about getting you doing Ain't Divorce Crazy as a sample. <laughs> I, I'll do that for the next batch of episodes. Yeah, but now it's now it's it's ruined. Well, it's forecasted. Payoff. Payoff. Mm. Chekhov's Chekhov. Ain't Divorce Crazy. <laughs> Chekhov's Divorce. <laughs> um, Did and- you know that I fought for uh, Quay? For the name to be when we were discussing band names, I fought for it to be Chekhov's Gun. Did you oh. know there's not a band called Chekhov's Gun? I thought you were gonna say I fought for it to be Ain't Divorce Crazy, <laughs> dude. That's gonna be our album name. <laughs> not bad. Um, it's gonna have a photo of Chris Rock on the front. Dan, have you uh, seen any of these Roland Emmerich movies? What are your thoughts on like Godzilla Day After Tomorrow 2012? Any any thoughts about any of those movies? Have you seen them? What is your mileage on disaster cinema, and what do you think of Independence Day? Go. Um, I loved Independence Day as a kid. Like, loved, loved it. Uh, when I rewatch it now, I don't get the same joy I do from a lot of, like, shit movies from that era, like Armageddon. 
It doesn't necessarily have the comedy factor that I get from. I'd agree. It's not very funny. Yeah. Um, and it never was very funny. No, but I, uh, I, I still in my head like. Independence Day is like when I think of a popcorn flick, I think of Independence Day probably. Right. Um. What What was the next one? Godzilla, nineteen ninety eight. Godzilla ninety eight. We talked about that. We did in that episode. That movie's a piece of shit. Uh, I liked it when I first a, saw it. Just a commercial for a Pepsi cup. Yeah. Hate that movie. Love Taco Bell though. Oh yeah. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Yeah, I'm stopping at Taco Bell. Remember? Here. You remember in the show? I was like. I think we're gonna need a bigger box. Yeah, of course. That was a Taco Bell Godzilla joke. You know who did the voice of the Chihuahua? Uh, the guy from Reno 911. Yeah, Carlos Elizacri, who yeah. also did the voice of uh, SpongeBob. No, not SpongeBob. No. Uh, uh, Don't do this. Heifer in Rocco. Oh, yeah. Or that no, he true. did the voice of Rocco. Got it. No, he did Rocco. He was yeah. Rocco. He did Rocco. Yeah. Is that Rocco? Yeah. See you in another life, brother. Is that him? <laughs> <laughs> Was it was Rocco the one that was always like my baby? Sure. Um, Rocco cro- lost crossover that no one was asking for. So I want to say, um, um, wait, um, wait, I'm not, I'm, I'm not done. Okay, you reach the end of his filmography. Oh no, 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 you still have way more. Day after tomorrow. Yeah, day after tomorrow. That's the Jake Gyllenhaal picture with the snow, correct? Yes. Yeah. And uh, the Digital Wolves. That was a movie that I saw in the theater and loved, and then saw oh, again no. later and thought it was terrible. <laughs> Uh, and so now in my head, it's a movie that's mostly terrible. That's our age gap showing, because when I saw it, I knew it was terrible. Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. When I saw it, I was like, dude, no. I think Day After Tomorrow came out when I was in, like, fifth grade. What was shocking when about... When I was like, snow! What was shocking about Day After Tomorrow is that that was the first time that Roland Emmerich really... Like, he had done The Patriot. Oh, did he? And, like, he... Had had stretches. You want to hear? From, you want to hear my hot take, hottest take of the episode? What is that? The Patriot is better than Braveheart. Oh, I uh, no no no. I, I would a thousand times watch the Patriot over really? Braveheart. It's a worse movie. It's pulpy. It's yeah, really but it's gross. Actually entertaining. But it slaps. Yeah, the Patriot slaps. Yeah, okay, um, cool. great movie. Because I love America. The Patriot is kind of like um, uh, white cis American gladiator. Yeah, oh yeah. That's what it feels yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the vibe of that yeah. movie. It's um, like, ain't, ain't, ain't being white and Christian grand? Ain't being a Yankee crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right word uh, from the right war. Um, yeah, it's, it's the Revolutionary not. War. No, it's not, but still. Um, so, um, Roland Emmerich did do like uh, a couple movies that weren't disaster pieces. Um, what else did he make? Throw them at me. Apparently, I'm familiar with more of his catalog uh, right. than I realized. I didn't write his filmography down. Right. I don't know if you want to look it up, but the, he does have a couple that are more... You find out he made, like, barbed wire. Did he do Falling Down? The fucking... He may have done Falling Down. The Michael Douglas movie? Yeah, potentially. Really? Yeah. It's A shitty director did um, Falling Down, and I think it's Roland Emmerich. Dude, if he made Falling Down, he's just moved up a lot of tears in my fucking... In, in my whole my whole paradigm. It may not be him. Uh, let's see. We got 10,000 BC. Yeah, that's a recent bad movie. From 2008? Yeah, bad. White House Down. I saw that. That was terrible. Yeah, really bad. That was awful. Yeah, bad. Just the worst. Yeah, so bad. Uh, Eight-Legged Freaks? No, he didn't direct that, did no? he? No. Uh, Producer, maybe? Or... According to the internet, maybe pause this. Oh, he didn't direct this. He produced this. Yeah, okay. go on. Uh, Just go down. The Get 13th to the floor. 
that's a great movie, but that's a producer credit. They're not in order great. chronologically. You, that's yeah, that's great. like everything. Very helpful. Universal Soldier. Pull it up, Jamie. Universal Soldier was Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, that was him. Okay, that's a fucking classic. N- no. No? <laughs> I mean, it's not a good movie. No. no. Falling Down isn't in there? You went no. all the way back. Yeah, yeah, no Falling Down. Well, who the fuck directed Falling Down? I didn't look. Well, now you've got to look because it's going to drive me crazy. I know it was a bad director who like has since made a bad, like a slew of bad movies. God damn it. I thought it was Roland Emmerich. Is it some other eccentric? Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. I was going to say, was it some other eccentric gay German man? And yes, it is. Yeah, but Joel Schumacher is <laughs> Jewish, dude. Wait a fuck. That's fucking Jewish erasure. They're both like someone who would have directed Cats if it came out in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, Joel right. Schumacher. Back uh, back on track. How have we, wait, how have we not done any fucking Schum? Um, on this pod because like it's too it's low hanging fruit it is what are you gonna do Batman and Robin give me a break well yeah what else you got what else you make um welcome to Schumcast I don't know this we're just going down the German <laughs> rabbit hole the gay German as I am wont to do why are you gay um <laughs> uh I don't even need this we're going one. down the gay German rabbit hole like Elon Musk this week <laughs> nice you, you know what I'm saying topical topical that'll humor. last that'll date itself quick. um Okay, uh, 2012. Seen it? No, I didn't even. I never really, even heard really of it. Really bad. Just yeah, I mean, it's John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, same exact plot as any other Roland Emmerich disaster movie. What I was going to say about Day After Tomorrow. What, what is the plot? That the Mayan calendar is ending? Yes. <laughs> cool. We should do that movie. I mean, that movie is absolutely hilariously bad. Like cra- crazy bad. Crazy. When bad. did it? No, fuck that movie. Um, it came out in 2012. <laughs> like uh, like oh, duh um yeah anyway um what i have to say about roland emmerich is this holland independence day is a fucking classic stone cold classic I, I will, baby i will watch that movie any day of the week jeff goldblum baby i think it's held up just fine i never had a problem with independence day i know people think it's so bad some people think that it's one of the most terrible 90s schlockfest movies I don't see it. I definitely don't think that, but I don't think it. I think it has garners a, the praise that it had at the time. I think it has a great action adventure vibe with a really nice cast, and it goes to all sorts of fun and interesting places for an alien invasion parable. And it expanded what you could feasibly do with digital and mixed practical effects, and looked great. Everyone was being super charismatic in it. I think it's just shot well and is great, and the music is just very memorable to memorable to me See, i think i just love it there are aspects of it that are shot super well but then there are aspects particularly particularly a lot of the scenes in the white house once shit gets fr- frantic that are shot like a goddamn fast food commercial it's just like classic 20th century fox 90s yeah, content. yeah 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 for sure like it's just like unstoppable vhs quality entertainment and it, it's the top of the show i do i do wonder if wow the the steep drop off that I had last time I watched it, which was probably at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. which was that I was watching it on Blu-ray rather than VHS, which is how I've always watched it in my life. Because one of my friends' uh, beach houses that we'd go to in the summer, all throughout college, high school, everything, he had a small collection of VHS tapes, and every summer we'd, we'd watch Independence Day, and we'd be like, "This fucking rules." The Mummy, Independence Day, Fifth Element, these are like perfect 90s movies fifth element element is such a superior oh, movie okay. to Ro- things you're listing. Okay. Emmer. it's go back and ha- when was the last time you watched the fifth element because that movie is actually a little shaky the last time i watched quality. it 
I know exactly. It was my senior year of college. Okay, watch it again. It has not aged particularly well. I really? love. I I was the biggest fan in the entire world of the Fifth Element really? for as many years okay. as I can remember. It has not aged particularly gracefully, mm. but it, it, all in well and good. I just um, remember loving how that movie looks. Roland Emmerich made one movie that I thought was much better at the time than if you were to be like in 2022, you'd go and rewatch it. But at the time, I thought it was one of the best movies I'd ever seen, which was Stargate. Um, I saw it in theaters when I was a kid, and it was a huge... Is that related to Stargate SG-1? Yeah, I mean, all the shows were based on the movie they Stargate. They were based on the movie, yeah. yeah with I don't think per- I saw the movie, but Dude, I, watched the shit excellent. Out of the, I watched the shit out of the show as a kid. Excellent 90s sci-fi movie. Kurt Russell, James Spader, um, discovering like a very ancient aliens, Egyptian... Yeah. Um, I remember as a kid always history. wanting to see the movie Dude, because great movie. I had watched the show. Stargate slaps. They the movie is so much SG-1 better. SG One was show. on HBO, right? I don't remember what SG One was on. Either way, I watched the shit out of that and I loved that. That was like my like first exposure to like elevated sci-fi. Love Stargate. Yeah. Not the show was pretty low quality. Was it? Yeah, the, well, mo- the movie was I was like was 9 excellent. and 10 when I was watching it. The movie is excellent. The score has been used in thousands of movie trailers. It's just a really classically made 90s movie. So that that was the height of his prowess. It's kind of like um, w, Paul W.S. Anderson, who made Event Horizon, yeah. where he just like all of a sudden made a super original, interesting sci-fi movie and then had a career of utter repetition. Yeah. Very similar to Roland Emmerich. Paul um, W.S. Anderson is terrible. Beyond beyond terrible just i don't awful. want to even get into it but like and I, also just like you should have to change your name if someone like paul thomas anderson comes along and is that good i know yeah it's really pathetic um <laughs> and like really ws like what are they talking about a name that doesn't roll off the tongue at all it's just like paul will smith anderson i don't <laughs> what's his full name Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um got so many grammys i could fill a grammy chessboard <laughs> um i'm about to freak this yeah yeah for me, um, Day After Tomorrow was the movie where it came out where I was like, oh, Roland Emmerich is now the guy that does these movies. Yeah. And that was a very disappointing moment for me because I thought that he was better than that. And and from that to 2012, um, it, it just became clear that all he's going to do for the rest of his career are these stupid fucking disaster yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, you know which what, is you know such what this- a weird flex and they're all about divorce. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a bizarre series of flexes. That is. And, and they're all critically post-Independence Day from day after tomorrow on critically destroyed. But they they and they, they do well enough to bankroll in these them. movies. Um, you which know is what incredible. distinction uh, Day After Tomorrow holds for me? What is that was the first movie that I ever watched for a second time at like my it was like the first movie that I ever saw like pre-tween or like just tween years uh-huh. and then watched a couple years later and realized was terrible and then had the realization that a lot of the movies I might think are great are actually terrible yeah day I mean, after tomorrow i remember the last week of eighth grade they were just killing time and they brought us in the auditorium to play it to try to talk to us about climate change and i was like oh shit day after tomorrow i saw the shit in the theaters this movie fucking slaps and i was sitting there and i was like oh no this is a, the, the worst movie the day after tomorrow stinks yeah um but there is one movie that stinks more than all of the rest of his movies. And this is going to be our segue into Moonfall today, which um, 
like with Roland Emmerich, I was like, okay, day after tomorrow, this is terrible. 2012 is honestly 10 times worse than the day after tomorrow. Okay. Two, 2012 is cr- like crazy. Where content. does knowing fall on this scale? <laughs> it's not, not a Roland Emmerich <laughs> picture, but I would say knowing is close to 2012 and how fucking stupid it was. <laughs> um, the numbers. 2012 was bad. And then the worst one for me was Independence Day 2. Independence Day 2 is a movie that I saw with my wife, who is my girlfriend at the time, in theaters. Like, I was like, like, clearly if the man is going to make a comeback anywhere in his career, it's going to be by doing Independence Day 2. Yeah. I was a person that was, like, reading Independence Day novels after the movie came out. (laughs) Of course. Um, Right in your eyeline, next to Batman Begins, to your upper right, there is the alien from... Um, Independence Day, <laughs> like kind of just directly in front and up. Oh, look at that! Um, and I was a huge Independence Day fan when I was a little kid, and I was a nerd about the comic books there were for a little while from Topps Comics, and was like, this "Oh, this is awesome!" Yeah, from Godzilla 2015, <laughs> your favorite movie. Um, Why next do you to have the Brain one? Bug from Starship Why Troopers. Do you have that? I like that movie. I think we've talked about this. Sucked balls. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, I like uh, I like. I don't know if we uh, need to mention this up front or not. I really like like sci-fi, and Dan <laughs> does not. Um, but um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, everybody's got their interests. He loves baseball. I love aliens. Um, it's all the same thing. Um, it's just about what you're passionate about. And yeah. um, I the, love this dude. The little Starship Trooper boys. And- yeah, look at that. <laughs> um, it's a nice touch. Dan's fondling my toys. Um, so <laughs> he's just pointing now, like Leonardo DiCaprio to all my toys. <laughs> I've never Leo actually game. looked at them. I'm like, oh shit, it's Christian Bale. No, I've never actually looked at them. You spent 70 fucking episodes staring at these things. Well, I look at the ones over here. Drink it in. Over here. I'm Drink like, oh in, wow, pal. that looks like Christian Bale. And that I'm is. like, this is Batman Begins, but he looks mad. Yeah, he's mad. And he's right next <laughs> to Christian Bale. He's describing my toys. <laughs> I like it when you talk about my toys. <laughs> I fucking bet you do. <laughs> this got me really off track. What were you talking about? Um, oh no! But if you oh, know, I could have all your toys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Cool. I mean, Rachel doesn't want them. I mean, they're kind of worth a lot, though. We'll see. I know that's why I want them. Um, no. <laughs> um, look. Bottom line is, I need a mortgage. The last Roland Emmerich movie that I saw was Independence Day Two, and I shit you not, I shit you not. Bottom three worst movies i've ever seen in my life yikes independence why day is too. independence day labeled as id4 that was like how they abbreviated it on the poster i know but why july was... 4th feels like a stretch to me independence day yeah. four yeah the. yeah it's a lot it was a lot it's a big ask it was a huge ask <laughs> and it paid off i mean people were all id4'd out um, I just like I remember seeing the poster for Independence Day 2 and it was like ID 42 and I was like nah nah I will not any human being that has ever been like curious as to what an Independence Day sequel would be like please don't ever watch Independence Day Resurgence what it, a fucking just like so toxic we had like a five year chunk where they like finally made sequels to all the movies that like actually could have done for sequels at the time yeah and they and were just all terrible. made abortions yeah for sure like this was one of them and i think 
think I saw it like maybe the same month as Batman v Superman. All right, worst sequel, uh, ID four two or Son of the Mask. <laughs> Son of the Mask is not a movie. It's an endurance test. <laughs> um, and look, the bottom line is that uh, that movie like broke me, and I was like, I will never trust Roland Emmerich ever again to even entertain me. Like this movie wasn't even entertaining; it was painful to watch. Um, it didn't make me laugh. It didn't make me like interested to see Jeff Goldblum, who was like really wasted in it probably literally um and um uh don't know what drove me to even watch this movie um <laughs> dan even asked me like why are we doing this yeah, and it's been a long time since i've asked that this movie tanked like really badly Nor normally i can see a thread where like when you as assign me homework and, yeah. and i'm like <laughs> i'll like look it up and i'll be like ah, all right i see why Right. When I saw this, I was like, this just looks like run-of-the-mill schlock sure. wastebasket garbage from the last few years. <laughs> like, why Why are we watching this? I felt like it Who was is a, this for? I Who is like, clamoring for this episode? I felt like it was a throwback decision to, like, the early days of the pod where I still didn't know how vile, like... <laughs> the experience would be to make you watch, like, franchise blockbuster cinema. <laughs> and, like, I was still hopeful. I was like, oh, we can do, like, the new hot movie, blah, blah, blah. Like... It doesn't need to be about rape or whatever. Like, <laughs> it can just be like, oh, Wonder Woman 84 came out. Obviously, we should podcast about it. We're a movie podcast. <laughs> we should be doing new movies. Like, it, it was the hopefulness of the of the ye old days. But, like, I also... I don't, for the record, I don't think I ever gave any indication that I would be a willing participant in that. No, no. This is what I'm saying, though. Is I didn't know that yet. Right. I still was like... What did you think it was going to be? Was was that? I didn't, never thought it would be this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we started the podcast? It wasn't even clear that we were going to be funny. We were like, we're just going to talk about movies. And what, then, was that the case? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that why the first few oh, episodes no, was, are so boring? There was a clear moment where I was like, comedy slash movie review okay. podcast. Okay. Whereas going into it, if someone would ask me, I'd have been like, it is a movie podcast. Yeah. Like, and, we're going to be talking about movie news. And the premise was finding movies we hadn't seen. Yeah, like digging and into the And there were the games? We were playing games? What happened to us, Dan? I don't know. It got really dark. <laughs> <laughs> now we are like... Are, are we more... were trading DVDs in person. But the funny thing is like now we are more straightforward movie review podcast. Like we do one movie an episode. Yeah, right. And we don't fuck around. But at the same time, it's so much more off the rails than it ever started as. So good thing, bad thing. Don't care. It's like when you hear like like early or like the first like self-produced ep from a band and you're like oh these guys are really taking themselves seriously and then one of their mics isn't even on <laughs> but you know what you picked book of henry for the fucking third movie that's, i don't know what you thought was gonna happen that's where it all went wrong yeah because that's when we realized like there's a there's a exact like science to what we should be doing here. Yeah, and we had to hit the sweet spot. It's like the x the x and y axis between like quality of film plus degree of stoned. If it intersects at the sure. exact right point, sure, sure. Then like the sparks fly, baby. And speaking <laughs> of sparks wait, fly, wait, wait, even in the second episode, you were like, 
I was listening to it recently because uh, I wanted to hear it. In my head, I got the same thing that happened when I switched to DVD from VHS. I was like, is this video quality really that much better? I was like, listen to the podcast. I was like, is this really this much better? I can't even listen to it. Yeah, and I put on the second episode. Unlistenable. Yeah, it is unlistenable, but within the first few seconds, you were like, last week you were doing this baby thing. I really want want to stick with that. You were going like, baby. And I was like, hell yeah. I was like, wow. Really and that is the only thing that is retained from any of those seasons <laughs> yeah. of promises and Was that the first episode while I was so stoned and terrified to speak on mic? I went, baby! Yeah, that was like, <laughs> you, you can only speak in like... In like I was like a Howard Stern character. Yeah. I was like, so Dan, what is your introspective look on French over like cinema? And you were just like, oh, baby! Hey, yo! Dookie doo! You're like trying to create catchphrases. Yeah, I was like Baba Booey. Um, yeah, we, that's well, we were trying not to do that. Um, Dan, speaking of sparks flying, yeah, this movie I brought it to our attention because I personally had a really good time watching this movie. Poonfall. Um, Poonfall <laughs> is not this two episodes in a row. We are not using your title. Poonfall, for real, dude. It was How about right? poopfall? <laughs> At that rate, honestly. <laughs> Dan's doing the mental math. Um, <laughs> woo! Let's do this, the, baby. What, what Dan. I thought of was a uh, moon gall. I think. I think what we need to say first is like. Um, usually, when I make Dan watch movies like this, he wants to absolutely slit his wrist, kill himself, kill me. <laughs> I didn't get any texts this time around. Being like, D- well, I got the first one, which was. Why did we choose this movie? <laughs> but after that, there was just radio silence. And I am going to go out there on a limb and say that you enjoyed watching this movie. Uh, More than you thought you would. Enjoyed is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. <laughs> yeah, more than I thought I would, for sure. <laughs> this movie brought the lulls to I me very hard. wrote way more notes than usual of this movie. Okay. And uh, the listeners should know that I'm very proud of this new setup I made at home for my work situation where I can basically work Ugh. and watch movies at the same time with, with no interference to my work. Living the dream. Yeah, really am. So I watched Moonfall while working. <laughs> Sorry. So you admitting that you just didn't even pay attention while you're doing it? Is that what you're doing up front here? No, I paid attention. I Like I just said, I have more notes than I ever have. I was okay, enthralled but, by this but, movie. But, but your notes could be, like, literally unrelated. Well, no, because my my job <laughs> is such where, like, I am constantly You're doing... You're referring to the podcast now? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm doing a shit ton of work in the first chunk of the day and then waiting for a bunch of answers. answers and then in that chunk, I just kind of, like, I'm, like, twiddling my thumbs while I wait. Uh-huh. And then I have a massive streak of work to do uh-huh. at the end. So in the middle, I'm always just like, well, I can't leave my computer in case something happens. So I want to have something on in the background. And Moonfall quickly became my foreground. Yes. And I transitioned it from uh, work background picture to I'm going to watch this on my lunch break picture (laughs) on the big screen. I don't want to watch this on a monitor. I want the speakers going. I want the whole vibe. There was something about this movie that hit me way better than like it was literally Armageddon. A lot of the other Roland Emmerich recent movies. This movie really entertained this me. movie literally felt like he was like you know what was great it was in the 90s when we could just watch armageddon 
and people are like, like the studio was like, we're gonna need more than that as like a as like a vibe <laughs> for movies. Like, no, remember how you felt when you watched Armageddon? I do. None of the plot makes sense, but look at all the explosions and the space is all spooky. It was. And they were like, hmm, I did have fun watching Armageddon as a boy. And he was like, yes, harbor that feeling and turn it into $200 million. Roland Emmerich's brain is like caught in amber <laughs> in like in like late 1996, basically. And like any new idea he has, his pitch is like, do it like the last one, but now different. Yeah, it's literally like he's like slightly. He's like, they made a new camera. What if we did it again, but nicer? Um, <laughs> This movie... <laughs> Was funny. This um, movie was in insane, Dan. It was insane. In between the uh, this plot uh, is yeah. is nothing. <laughs> in between the action beats of this movie were some of the most ridiculously random oh, body yeah. moments I've ever seen, and it's it's all laid in in between like the most goofiest nonsense you've ever heard about you the want, moon. We in, talked about Hancock. Life. We talked about Hancock wasting a full. 18 minutes before getting to the weird forced family drama. This movie was well, right up front, baby. Well, I want to just let it be known that this movie was a subversion of divorce drama tropes from disaster movies, as I accounted up front. This is a double divorce drama yeah, movie right. where both Halle Berry and um, Jason Patrick, is that his name? Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. And Patrick Wilson both were divorced protagonists. Yeah. Divorced protagonists who also become divorced from each other as work spouses. Did, um, did you notice that? Yeah, it was a double inception middle divorce. Because our cold open starts with Patrick Wilson informing us, yes. the naive viewer, that Halle Berry is in fact his work wife. Well, first Patrick Wilson, who's out on the side of like a satellite doing oh. repairs, is listening to Toto's yeah, right. Africa. First we start with a goddamn fucking pontification on the lyrics. <laughs> To Africa, and, and that was the moment, Dan. That was the moment where I. That was when I messaged you. I was like, I was like, fucking Africa. <laughs> like yeah. we're we're here already. We're doing it. They're still doing the opening credits, and, and they're talking about. I was like, all right. They're arguing over the lyrics and, of Africa, and Halle Berry comes flying in and is like, the lyrics are, "I blessed rains down in Africa." Uh, it's such a deep opening conversation to have in your heady sci-fi movie. So I was sitting there being like, all right, what is this? Like a callback to clerks? Like, I was like, all right, here's the, I, my ears poked up. I was like, we, we're at a very pivotal moment right here. This is the moment where this movie can either like double down on its initial bullshit or be like, I'm setting a tone to just be like, um, fuck. We were, there was a movie we talked about earlier in the podcast and it's become a running theme about like, uh, movies that set up this idea of like they present themselves like they're about to go off the rails. Oh, just last week, Spanking the Monkey was like where you think it's gonna go, like it could go to eleven. And are be you like, trying to say that this movie didn't go to eleven? Hold on, I'm saying like the thing is the thing is set up where we're like, all right, I had that crossroads. Where I'm like, this can either go to eleven, or it's just gonna be like a fucking weird pop culture circle jerk, like kind of like I Love You Man, where all the references are from the '70s, wow. like and. I was like, all right, they're talking about Africa. They're talking about Africa. And then all of a sudden, the goddamn moon creature just starts impaling people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I I feel like all of the... Uh, uh, mm, 
I feel like people that I've been in movie theaters with opening night who are being extremely loud and boisterous at the situation where I'm typically like, ah, you shouldn't react that way. And uh, you were uh, that guy. Yeah, I was there being like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Um, all right. This poor guy was just talking about Africa and all of a sudden he's getting impaled by the coolest villain looking I've ever seen. He's it's like the black smoke monster from Lost. It was literally the smoke monster with good CGI and like made out of black Legos. And we're going to get back to Lost at one point because there are actually elements of like Lost mythology that come up in this movie. We'll get back to it. Yes. Um, Fuzz Aldrin. But um, yeah, Fuzz Aldrin. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we are introduced uh, to the idea that after this huge um, disaster in space, that Patrick Wilson is uh, a part of where he sees a moon creature go into the moon after destroying their shuttle that he's kind of considered like an outlier and full of shit and he is disparaged. Yeah, there's a cover up going on here. Then we cut to his family, which is a mother and her son. You're, you're, you're bypassing a lot of fucking important exposition though, Dan, like his man, this man was disgraced. I said that. He was disgraced. Yeah. Yes, he, he was. He watched his best friend be impaled by a moon creature <laughs> and came back and told the truth in front of Congress, and they were like, no, you're disgraced. And pa Halle Berry was passed out during it, so yeah. she kind of rats him out. Halle Berry goes up and is like, eh, I don't know. He was drinking a little bit on the job, like, just that whole vibe. Like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah, I don't think she said that, but. <laughs> moon spouse. That's your moon husband. Moon spouse. <laughs> <laughs> Work spouse. What is it? Um, and, um... That's your moon bow. Uh, the first thing you're introduced <laughs> Dude, this to... this episode should be moon bay. <laughs> I, just, I like moon spouse. Um, the uh, th thing that you're introduced to first is that Patrick Wilson's family, his son, who's like five years old, is watching on a laptop his dad get disgraced on yeah, the news. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, Mommy, this is why we lost the house. And she's like, we had to move. Shut up. God damn it. Yeah. She's and like, it sure is. And then he that's why I'm fucking this man instead, Junior. And he just goes, I hate New Jersey. <laughs> Which I thought was a very poignant NBCEU line to yeah. come up so early in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? So do we. <laughs> um uh, cut to Sam from Game of Thrones, who um, the fat yeah. one, and cut he, cut to not numerous actors that it should have been instead. Yeah, it was supposed to be Josh Gad. It should have been Nick Frost. Josh Gad is fucking horrible. Tell me this script didn't say, and then a Nick Frost type walks Nick on screen. Frost. Oh, oh, like from uh, from Shaun of, of the Dead. Dead. Yeah, it could have been Nick Frost, definitely. Just awkward British fat man. That's yeah. like that's his like talk about fucking Frost face. So yeah, Sam from Game of Thrones wearing frost Sam face from in this Game movie. <laughs> this is appropriating Nick Frost's. He's thing. working at a pastrami drive-through. Yeah, which that for me sounds great. Yeah, they're trying that, to that present to a heavily. world in which that's a bad place. Yeah, right. Like, like that's like that's dystopian. Yeah, the way that the, the that's scene Roland Emmerich's subtle anti-Semitism. The way that the scene is set up is like. You should be disgusted by a drive-through pastrami restaurant. Like motherfucker, it, I ate at Arby's yesterday. It sounds so good. I ordered a gyro from Arby's. I'm good if you have drive-through pastrami. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> but then they have this like old Jewish lady pull up and start rambling about pastrami and sauces, <laughs> which like really got offensive for yeah, a minute. Yeah. Um, 
What sauces do you serve with the pastrami? She was very like... I wish that wasn't slowed down so you could hear how anti-Semitic the whole thing is. <laughs> she was very anti-Semitic. Yeah, like, ro like, dude, if you're a German man, you're not allowed to have Jewish caricatures in your movie. <laughs> she was like, what? How yeah, much does cow do I get the pastrami? And her the, face was very melted. The the speaker was like, "Ma'am, why are you speaking like that?" Can't. She's like, "I need to pastrami. I have a coupon. <laughs> I have a coupon." How how much are the side sources? <laughs> and and we're still Jewish. Everyone, yeah, just everybody listening at home. I want you to know that I never once celebrated Christmas because I wasn't allowed <laughs> because I am Jewish and so is Dan Enden. But he celebrated a bunch of Christmases because he's a traitor. <laughs> yeah, I traitor for presents. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Sam's cat is named Fuzz Aldrin. He is a moon megastructure freak. Fuzz <laughs> the moon's a megastructure? Um, it's brought That's, up like 900 times. It sounds times. like Neef when he drinks. <laughs> It's brought up 900 yeah, times. Yeah, this constantly. Movie. Uh, uh, my, my, my second note is uh, we made it 20 minutes before adding our secondary family drama. Fat British man's mom has dementia. Dude, fat British man's mom has dementia was the weirdest side plot. Like you're in this huge scale action movie and every once in a while you're coming to this lady being like, I don't know where I shit myself. Yeah, so, so here's where I don't know how to actually rate this movie, because this is an important part. If this was a moment. Where Roland Emmerich was like, isn't it funny how all these disaster movies always have this weird side drama, family drama? Wouldn't it be really funny if we had An a incel? secondary side drama from like the secondary character? He also has family drama. This is like tertiary. Yeah. As like there's a, also as Halle like, Berry's side drama. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny as a commentary as like of the trope of this genre? Because if that's the intention... Then this movie is a 10 out of 10. Americans love divorce. Yeah. They love breaking their vows. Statistically, half the audience will relate to this. <laughs> so true. Um, his cat's name is Fuzz Aldrin. Um, <laughs> I relate to that. Um, then we're introduced to Halle Berry's family situation. Yeah, which, also precarious. All right. this uh, I've brought this up a few times on the podcast. So I'm just going to bring it up one more time or as many times as we see it. But... Um, <laughs> We are introduced to Halle Berry, who is divorced from her husband, who's an army general of Emphasis sorts. Emphasis on the D, you know what I'm saying? She has a... Well, at this point of the movie, you don't know what she is. Um, she's... Like, Halle Berry is, like, basically has to stay late at work. She calls home. Yeah, she's, like, important in the government, but not that important. An extremely hot... Chinese woman picks up. Yeah. Who has a very thick accent, who can speak very poor English, and she is very hot. Now, I want you to keep in mind that in the 80s and 90s and 2000s, this character would have been a 65-year-old woman. Right. The the nanny character. Mm -hmm. In this movie, not only is it not first said that she is a nanny, she just calls and she's like, she's like, yes, I have Dina ready for you when you get home. And it's just like, uh, ooh, is this her hot Chinese lesbian wife? What is the deal here? Why did they hire an actress who can't speak English? And <laughs> the deal is the same deal that it was in Independence Day 2, which was also from Roland Emmerich, with Pacific Rim 2, with many 
uh, franchise big blockbuster movies um, in that you need to appeal to a Chinese audience. You have mm-hmm. to have a famous, which this woman was, Chinese actress who has never been in an American movie whatsoever so that they can backwards yeah, yeah. advertise it to the Chinese community. Didn't this happen in Godzilla as well? Uh, yeah, Godzilla King of the Monsters, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember it's, us it's talking. I remember us talking about this before. It, it is the move, and it's always super obvious, super bizarre. It feels always very out of place. This was the most out of place one I've ever seen because, like, this woman was effectively made a character for no reason. She had no agency whatsoever, right. other, other than being hot Chinese yeah. nanny. She was James Bondian. Um, it, it's so obvious. It's like disgusting. Like, if you're gonna do it, like, why not do it? I, it's it's just so obviously stupid. It's like it's like product placement with yeah. a human being, and it's awkward. I, I don't prefer it. He's man. like, remember in Godzilla we made all the money from Pepsi? And they were like, well, no one really drinks soda anymore. He's like, well, what makes us money? They're like the They're Chinese. Like, chan he, He's like, get me a Chinese woman for the movie. Get me the most Chinese woman in all of movies. Chinese woman, Pepsi, it's all the same in the bank. Jesus Christ. In the bank. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Um, you said you wanted this episode to get less off the road. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> and then you started a German accent immediately. And I was like, oh, we're here, baby. <laughs> we're doing it, baby. <laughs> Character work. Um, um, I tossed my hat off. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Uh, Patrick Wilson, drunk, evicted astronaut, objecting out loud in court, having wild outbursts on the judge about his son getting in a GTA level um, apprehension. Now, yeah. So this pa- is pa- pause. I have a note. Father son relationship. So weird. So weird. So, so extemporaneous to the plot. <laughs> Divorced, broke, son hates me. Dude, his relationship with his son <laughs> is nothing to the movie. It's nothing. And it's, 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 so, it's so weird. Weird. It's incredibly bizarre. So we're introduced to Patrick uh, Wilson's son as he's getting pulled over off the L.A. freeway. As he's getting in, in a high speed massive chase. high speed chase yeah. on public news, um, like being broadcast everywhere. Now, the most hilarious thing about it is that the only reason that they made it such an extreme fucking random crime is so that later in the movie you could have him driving like a fucking insane yeah, person yeah, yeah, exactly. and have functional explanation from a screenwriting right. perspective. This movie was full of that. Full, he full could... of nonsense in the first act oh, yeah. just to like retcon the third act. The payoffs were so funny. Yeah. Um, this being honestly one of the one of the funniest ones like also even before we get to this we're at we're at it we're we're probably i'd say 25 minutes into the movie when this scene happens uh-huh. and we're at a place where elon musk has been name checked no less than three times sure uh the phrase jerry rig has been said no less than three times <laughs> there's no world where it's still okay to say jerry rig in a movie no no that's not cool i get called out every time i say jerry rig. is jerry rig canceled it's super canceled is it okay because it's like a Jerry Curl situation. It's racist. It? Yeah, it's racist. I don't. I think you're just making this up. No, no. I've been given. I've like said that, and people have been like, "No, you don't get to say that." I, I need to look this up. One second. It 
it would it would seem as if people are confused into thinking that it's racist, but it is not. No. No. It seems like people like you, like um, you're saying, I can go back to saying Jerry Rig, like equal, like equality warriors, like yourself, would probably like get upset about it. But it's it's not it's it's based That's not its etymology. No, it's based on like very old terminology about um, an improvised sail for a boat. Um, oh, beautiful. No, that's great. I would love to go back to being allowed to say but that. But there is seemingly a difference between jury rigging things and Jerry rigging things that has different etymologies, but are neither of which is racist. But people are trying to cancel it regardless <laughs> because, <laughs> because, like, it just sounds because Jerry sounds Jewy. Yeah, it's like the point at which that like a, a white American females will make Nigeria change its name. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like the yeah. future we have coming to, coming to us at this point. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of extreme whitewashing, um, Michael Pena is in this movie as a white man. Um, he's a white man named Tom. Um, he is the stepfather character, fabled in many of Roland Emmerich's works. I love Michael Pena. I do too, but they they like neutered him. What's in this that movie. fucking one movie where he's a dirty cop? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal? No, but that's funny that there's another one where that's the plot. It's know. another buddy dirty cop movie. I don't know. I mean, the guy's had a great career, but uh, his, it, clearly everyone should know that his best role is Observer Report. Yeah, Observer Report's so good. Um, He has uh, been instructed to be as white War as War on everyone. War on everyone. He's been instructed to be as white as humanly possible in this movie and strip himself of any Latino nature. Yeah, they gave him glasses. They gave him glasses. He's the owner of a Lexus, Lexus dealership named after him. It's called Tom's Lexus. Um, it introduces him um, in his Lexus dealership in what I would say is one of the strongest product placement moments in the history of cinema, <laughs> which is having Michael Pena on the floor of a, like, borderline holographic Lexus dealership. <laughs> it looks like no Lexus dealership I've ever fucking seen. It's like a Michael Bay Yeah, yeah. it's like the level. Apple store of fucking... <laughs> yeah, and they have like literally ads all over the walls from Lexuses, and, and that is another payoff thing where like, for the rest of the movie, like, it is a Lexus that they are taking everywhere yeah. that gets mixed up into it from his dealership. So yeah. like, of course... They wanted to pad out that product placement with a plot beat, yeah, which was right. really bizarre right. and like not needed at right. all and super unnecessary. And just like when they cut to Michael Pena and he's in this Lexus dealership and his name is Tom, I was like, what the fuck? He's is like, what roofs make us more money than Pepsi cups? Cars? <laughs> the autos? <laughs> <It's> auto? <laughs> um, because he's German. Very early on, they find that the moon is out of orbit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they sure do. <laughs> um, and that is where, like, really the fun kicks off in this movie. Um, you know that it's going to be, like, a poorly made movie when, like, two scenes into your disaster breaking out, there's, like, fake news footage of, like, a religious cult yeah. taking over yeah, yeah, the streets yeah. and, like, beheading people. Yeah. It was too fast, too soon with the destruction of society uh, the, in this movie. The general velocity of events in this movie was out of control, dude. Right. This movie went... <laughs> dude, the pacing in this movie was insane. Yeah. Like, the first act, almost nothing happens. Then the second act, literally everything happens and every answer you could possibly want happened. I have a note that says, 
How is it remotely feasible that there's 45 minutes left in this movie? Everything has been answered. <laughs> <laughs> because the damn moon is hollow. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And then the escalation in the third act is just nuts. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, it's fucking nuts. Once they go into space, things really take off. Like. Pun intended. Well done. <laughs> there's a there's a moment in this movie where there's an absolutely massive, massive exposition dump from I mean there's hundreds. From but... hold on. From imparted by the moon to Patrick Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so you sit there. For... You get to see the monologue that the moon had to audition with yeah, right. to get cast in the movie. So it's it's probably like four or five minutes of just like exposition explaining everything right. to it's Patrick Wilson who then the next scene turns around to go to uh oh my god when he re to Halle Berry uh, when he and the fat white it. man yeah and then re-explains <laughs> that entire exposition dump and when it first started I was like oh that's a funny gag they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna cut. they're gonna cut away yeah, cut and they don't and you listen to him <laughs> explain everything that we just spent five minutes listening to Roland Emmerich was like, I don't trust them to hear it the first time. Yeah, and then they you, will be too enraptured. And you have the actor, the British guy, being like, Oh, 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 really? Like acting as the audience, but we don't need that. We were there for the scene. So that means eight straight minutes are the same story about the moon is spooky. Like, <laughs> um, th- this movie finally too. It, it, and I know th- part of the reason that I even wanted to do this movie on the podcast was to make this admission. Which is that, for the first time ever, man, Patrick Wilson was so fucking bad in this movie. <laughs> I mean, like, his entire appeal and shtick, I think, is over for me after this movie. You're finally it, coming to the coming to the correct side of things. Well, they call it the Chris Pratt apotheosis. <laughs> it's when you go from being like, Chris Pratt's a pretty relatable dude, to being like, I fucking hate Chris Pratt. <laughs> like... I now realize that I fell for all the wrong things. I never felt that with Patrick Wilson. I'm on record on this yeah. podcast of talking shit all the time. Patrick Wilson's put in some great performances. This was guy sucks. Not one of them. He's so bland. He's great. He's very good in films. <laughs> the Conjuring Snakes. When he's um, Night Owl and Watchmen, and he's getting cucked, or he does the cucking. <sighs> he's the worst part of Watchmen. Got a big dick in Watchmen. Yeah, so does everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Zack Snyder, baby. Uh, for a while, our main characters get holed up in a hotel that is seemingly the only hotel in all of LA to not get flooded in a massive yeah, tidal yeah. shift. While while skyscrapers are being knocked down by tidal waves, someone's hanging out in the fucking basement to be like, eh. <laughs> There's just no rhyme or reason to this film at all, dude. All the wallpaper inside of the um, motel that they get stuck in is the shining rug. Yeah. Which I thought, like, wow, way to subvert expectations by putting it on the wall. Yeah, right. And and we have a a situation where a constant, a classic uh, Armageddon-type film trope where, like, we have the the moment where things are approaching a climax and everyone starts speaking in fucking weird punchlines. Like the whole like we're gonna need a bigger boat, but like everyone's doing that the whole time. But we're like need a bigger moon. But who could do it in a time like this? Like this is not. It's not like Armageddon where everyone's making jokes because it's a ragtag group of individuals who are like a bunch of drunks approaching a situation that like at least on paper like there's like a reason explained scientifically. This is a situation where they're presented with literal Armageddon. 
like a child who like is like a teenager who comes out to find New York City is under snow. Like they are walking around casually by the top of the Empire State Building. The entirety of humanity is gone and they find out that the moon I can't I can't even begin to unpack the plot of what the moon actually is. But like he's just like he's <laughs> like well somebody's gonna co- need to call the doctor like while like making like they're 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 being surrounded by fucking post apocalyptic gangs trying to rape his girlfriend mm-hmm. like and he's just like speaking in jokes I'm like dude what are you doing always time for humor uh, at one point um, Patrick Wilson <laughs> yells out Sonny the moon is coming to help us <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment. Anytime they personified the moon as doing something, I LOL'd extremely hard. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of my notes just says, <laughs> Roland Emmerich loves the moon, LOL. <laughs> this movie's just a giant love letter to the moon. <laughs> uh, for me, probably the biggest laugh in this entire movie, at least initially, was when Halle Berry, who is the other NASA scientist, who works more in like actual NASA administration still, unlike Patrick... Wilson, who's a disgraced piece of shit. (laughs) Um, She's discovering that the moon's, uh, you know, off its orbit and about to really upset the tides of the Earth and cause all these natural disasters. So, like in any fucking disaster movie, she runs to her boss at NASA, who's this really hard-headed looking guy, and she's like, Like, damn it, Janet! Yeah, exactly. She's (laughs) She's like, sir, these numbers are real. The moon is off its axis, and soon it's going to cause cataclysmic destruction to the world. And in a moment that I would never expect in a movie like this, like in a hundred million years, her boss is just like, oh shit, I gotta go. And just walks out of the room. He calls his family. He's like, you guys need to pack your shit. They just like, all of a sudden the camera leaves the control room and is following this character that we have not heard a word (laughs) from. And he's like, Karen, you gotta pack your shit and get out of here. Go to your aunt's house up in the mountains. And Halle Berry comes out and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are he's you kidding like, he's me? He's like, I'm out. He's like, listen, I didn't think I was going to have to sign up for this shit. <laughs> I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. And he takes off his badge and gives it to her. And he's like, you know, you always wanted my job anyway. Now it's yours. Yeah. And that, she's, like, she's like, I don't even have level eight clearance. He's like, now you do, kid. Dude, that scene was, yeah, I was so crying. fucking yeah. funny. I was in tears. And like to Roland Emmerich, that's like, oh, this isn't like an important illustration of the severity of the situation. Yeah, this like, is an emotional beat. Yeah, like, oh, Halle Berry's finally getting her just desserts after being yeah, oppressed no, for being a, a black It's just hilarious the way the you're approaching this trope. Yeah, it's it's just like an alien wrote this movie, honestly. <laughs> Half of this movie felt like it was written by a bot or an alien. Or the moon. <laughs> or the moon had written this movie to, like, exonerate itself of any Should future. we get into, like... Are people going to watch this movie? Or should we explain what the moon is? Oh in no, this yeah, movie? We're, no, we're going to get into that. Okay. Um, but we still have a ways to go. Um, okay. um, it's at this point that Halle Berry realizes, wow, something is actually off about the moon. Wow, it's fucking incredible. And so she goes to like a dingy warehouse to meet with Donald Sutherland, which is a scene yeah. that happened in every horror and sci-fi mainstream movie. Not like good ones, but actually bad ones. They need to have. The expert come in, yeah. the d- either disgraced, and it needs to be Donald Sutherland, and it needs to be like Vincent D'Onofrio, Donald Sutherland. I saw Vincent D'Onofrio do it in Sinister the other night, where he literally got on a web call and was like, "So there's this demon called Bagul, <laughs> and he is the eater of children." Vincent D'Onofrio is like legit, like a ten out of ten actor who just has had such a shit career since the cell. So weird. 
he's kingpin in the MCU now, and it's pretty funny. Dude, the cell fucking rules. Cell rules, but like that's not doing him any favors. <laughs> no. You would never want to be in a room with that person after watching that movie, <laughs> ever. Um, um, and um, oh my god, uh, Donald Sutherland's career now is really being this character yeah oh yeah it's like when you're in a movie and you need like even like if it's like a spy espionage movie and they meet with donald sutherland in a dingy warehouse i'm convinced he can only sit yeah he's been relegated to like he's got the same career trajectory as like donald pleasant i don't think he can stand anymore right so they just kind of shoot him in a chair and he's always just like you things are bad and they're gonna get worse like that's him every movie now and he's like, it's all been a big cover up. And yeah. It's just like great, dude. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, having your aide wheel you out to <laughs> to do this fucking scene. It's literally an excuse for every like disaster film the d- director to be like, can we get him in here? And be like, yo, yo, man, do the thing. Well, do they're the just thing. like they're just like we need a Donald Sutherland type, and he's like, he like <laughs> comes out of his crib. They were like, well, we only have to pay Donald Donald Sutherland scale, so why don't we just get him? They pay Donald Sutherland in fucking gin. That man looks like a smashed asshole. Um, uh, that's the clear uh, moment. That's the clear, like, transition. We were talking about the early era of the podcast versus now, where then you'd, like, take the time to be like, James Bond looks like a fully smoked cigar. Yeah. <laughs> now you're like, he looks like a... <laughs> the man looks like a bleached asshole. Yeah. The man looks like a puckered hole. Um, he looks like he's just been asleep on the beach, and people like wake him up. They're like, "We got another sci-fi picture for you," and he's like, "I'll get, I'll get back in the car." Um, that's my Donald Sutherland for right now, and I, and I think it works. I got the spirit. Um, okay, so um, then this brings us to a, a trope that uh, Roland Emmerich thought he was using correctly, but made absolutely no sense in this movie. Like, there's a moment at which like the moon is clearly off its orbit. And they're having, like, a, a meeting with NASA and the military to discuss, like, uh, how fucking anomalous and strange this is and how it could Ain't cause, the moon crazy! And how it could cause all this <laughs> untold damage. And the trope comes in where the general stands up and he goes, this is now a military operation. Yeah, right. But it's like, it's the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and no point. They're like, we're going to bomb the shit out of that fucking bitch-ass moon. And she goes, like, right afterwards, Halle Berry's like you can't use the nukes and the and he's like what did you hear about nukes and it's like what did you hear about nukes why are we nuking the moon yeah, that's right. that's ill-advised yeah if the problem is the moon is out of orbit and it's causing massive yeah, let's untold get rid- damage let's get rid of it if you explode it it's gonna be a lot yeah worse. well you know classic heads of the military don't know shit dan it was just classic boot licking over <laughs> Over aggression from our military once again. Yeah, this was a pointed commentary moon. on the U.S. military infrastructure, the military-industrial complex, as told by Roland Emmerich. Um, then uh, one thing I did like they, they cut like it's been like only two or three days since this news came out. Yeah, and the world is not in that bad of shape yet. There is some rioting. Yeah, wait till day four. Homie is like robbing a liquor store or something. Goes running out into the street. And there is thousands of dollars sitting on the ground, banded up. Yeah. Like from some kind of crime, God knows what. Yeah. yeah. He picks them up and then just rips the bands and throws them into the sky. Yeah. And it's just like, bro, it's been 72 hours. Well, it's because his friend was like, those ain't worth shit no more, Pedro. But let's be honest. Like a couple months after this happened, which they turned the situation around. Yeah. 
that money would have been just fine. Yeah. And it was like millions of dollars. It was a bunch of money. And it just seemed like you're already looting and you come upon banded money. It's been yeah, 72 I, I mean, hours. This is, a, this is a movie where like they go on the news and they're like, everything's fine. And then like Halle Berry's like, you're lying to the American people. And then the next day, they're like... You just did, like, the voice of Riggs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, You lying to the American people. Every black cop in a movie is Riggs. I don't care what... She was I don't a, care what... She's an astronaut, dude. She becomes a bootlicker. Oh, my... She start, she's an astronaut turned FBI agent. She made her boss quit. There's she, no boot to lick. <laughs> she is the boot. Uh, boot fall. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, see, I lost my train of thought because of your racist non sequitur. I hate New Jersey. <laughs> um, I have in my notes, not sure what in reference to, but ex-husband Machina. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another that, potential that's because, title. That's because of fucking, uh, that's got to be because of, uh, what's his face, Michael Pena oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, showing up when they're being, like, chased by these two cars that want to rape his girlfriend. Gotta say, this movie's not a glowing endorsement for NASA. No, this movie's insane. <laughs> not sure, like, why NASA let themselves get dragged into this one, but clearly some kind of funding happened with NASA for this movie. Yeah, they right. They don't put NASA in sci-fi properties yeah, unless without. it's directly approved of and this was a movie well they were like they were like we want to present ourselves as being separate from like the executive branch and the military like but we, it's also, we're the ones we're the ones who are victims of moon violence but it's also a movie that outwardly portrays nasa as bullying and destroying patrick wilson's career and life after simply witnessing an extraterrestrial event. It's yeah, not a right. good look, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. Yeah. <laughs> like They make NASA seem like a very seedy government organization, which may even be an overstatement. I'm pretty sure NASA's just like for kids at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering we never went to the moon to begin with, this movie's a big ass. Oh, here we go. Alex Jones coming to the studio. There were no Jews in this movie. They, <laughs> they paid for <laughs> it. <laughs> They bought these computers that made the special effects. They ordered the pastrami. Just letting everybody know, I'm not Jewish. Dan Enden is just him. <laughs> just so people know. This so when I make the jokes, you're going to fit in okay. with your coworkers finally. Um, okay, so uh, at this point, they decide that they need to go to the moon under any <laughs> circumstances. Halle Berry, um, Sean Astin, British Sean Astin, and um, <laughs> Catwoman. All want to go to the moon. Um, they get a piece of shit shuttle um, that, like, literally, yeah, there's like they a literally moon like quake. get the prop from Armageddon. There's like a moon quake that like destroys the Earth around the shuttle launch. The shuttle only has this is like the first scientifically, and when I say bananas, like <laughs> bananas is such a gross understatement for <laughs> for the use of science in this movie, like. Literally anybody who had advised on this film for NASA, which I'm sure plenty of people had yeah, to, numerous. went and watched this movie and was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is why no one can take us seriously. Because they have a space shuttle, classic three engines underneath. One of them is completely out, which I would like to think that from a scientific point of view, that would aerodynamically cause your rocket, which are very fickle things that cannot launch with two out of three major engines in the first place 
um, instantly go into a loop and go nose down into the ground yeah. and fucking explode. Isn't there also an aspect where they were like, we don't have any launchable jets, and they were like, they were like, oh well, the Chinese government will help us. They couldn't use. Um, spaceships that had computers because the aliens would but, see but it. But they were like, they were like, we don't have any like in commission shuttles. And they, they had were to like, get it out of museum. No, I, like, and there was a moment, there was a beat where they were like, oh, well, China's gonna lend us some. They're gonna help us. There was some like pro Chinese yes, government that moment, was hundred percent, which then. like falls in line with your your lesbian maid thing. Anything to make the lesbian maid communists of our <laughs> Eastern brothers look good is what a director like Roland Emmerich needs to make money. Um, this movie didn't make any. I, it made more than. Yeah, uh, but it Roland Emmerich made half a bill from the Chinese government. 15 biggest director of all time. Yeah. In terms of gross. Gross, yeah. And here we are. And here we are. Um, with, and with so, the moon. Uh, everybody has to leave. NASA flies away. Patrick Wilson's all drunk and angry and wants to fly the ship. So he stays behind with Catwoman and Game of Thrones. And they mount up in a ship by themselves with no preparation. Uh, Game of Thrones being not Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Game of Thrones is like a 310-pound man who has (laughs) never trained for anything in his life. Going, He's not Ricky Gervais. He's not Nick Frost. But from those two descriptions, you got it. Put it together. Yeah. He's very good at this movie. Yeah, he was good. But not enough for me to learn his name. Better than Josh Gad. Josh Gad stinks. He's the stinkiest. <laughs> He's a rolling stink pile. I fucking hate Josh yeah. Gad. He's like, what if Kevin James but vaguely Jewish and terrible? <laughs> and pale. I'm like, gay but probably straight. He's like James Corden, where it's like, yeah. how are you straight? Yeah. Why are you straight? <laughs> how are you straight? Big Corden vibes. Um, big Corden style. Yeah, big Corden style. Um, wicked, wicked, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, someone calling the Chinese language gibberish. Big Matt Schoenman energy. <laughs> That's probably the best joke of the pod, but not a lot of people are going to get that. Dan is in shambles right now. <laughs> he hit his mic with his head. <laughs> but yeah, somebody called Chinese gibberish in this movie, and I was like, ooh, Matt Schoenman, trigger alert. <laughs> member of the rental zone who said that he couldn't watch Squid Game because he couldn't stand constant gibberish while he was trying to read <laughs> read subtitles. Worst like, take in the history of the rental and zone. And then was like, it's not racist to think other language are fucking gibberish yeah, just because they down. sound like nonsense baby words to me. I've never seen someone double down on a worst concept in my life. Worst take in rental zone history. I'll put it out there yeah, right now. Yeah, I was worst I kind of respected history. the fact that he doubled down <laughs> I respected it because I was like, you're an insane person. Nobody would ever defend that position. The fuck are you doing? Any other person would be like Hancock at his press conference. Like, like, I need to be better. I need to do better for (laughs) (laughs) y'all. And he was like, he was like, no, the Taiwan, Taiwanese are gibberish as well. Yeah, that was bad. That was a bad moment. (laughs) Top five low points. Um, saying a lot. Yeah, saying a lot. Like, literally historic. I'm going to put in the episode description that we declared the the lowest take in the history of the Reynolds. Yeah. Um, So... Patrick Wilson's arc with his son is so fucking weird. I'm that- not going to spend eight hours watching, gibber- listening to gibberish and reading. <laughs> Dude, he said, he said I'm not going to spend eight hours listening to gibberish and reading. <laughs> like, also talking shit on reading. Yeah, it was... <laughs> And he's a he's a writer. 
I know. I know. What a what an implosion of takes that was. <laughs> My God. It's That's off to you though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not listening. I know you probably don't, but um, if you are, hats off to you, Matt. Love you, man. Um. Uh. So it's at this point that they um, fly into space in a, in a rickety old spaceship that no one is trained for and somehow just nail it um, top <laughs> to bottom. Um, but they only do so uh, with their two engines because they, quote, wait for the moon to get closer so they can use gravity to uh, slingshot themselves to the moon. Now, this is mm-hmm. where the mm-hmm. science of this movie becomes absolute church, mm-hmm. where it's just non <laughs> yeah. like, They're just saying, they're like science words plus science words, moon. Basically, (laughs) the idea is that the closer that the moon gets, which now the moon is attacking the Earth. Yeah, right. um, The closer the moon gets, it affects gravity. So people are jumping around like Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) Um, Much like Hancock. At one point, and this is the funniest fucking moment in the entire movie, at least for me, was... um, Patrick Wilson's son is traveling with the Chinese nanny. Chinese lesbian nanny gets caught under a tree when it falls down. This is a redwood tree. It's probably 9,000 feet tall. Crushes her, like, entire body. And she's like, get it off me, get it off me. And he's like, wait. And waits for the moon to come around and uses the pull of the strength of the moon to throw a tree off of a human being. (laughs) It is so fucking, so unbelievable. Um, Just the science. Sonny, the moon is coming to help us. The air quality would be destroyed instantly. You would choke and die. Yeah, the moon is coming to help us, quote. (laughs) What? (laughs) Fucking insane. Um, In their trip into space, you realize that there's more going on then meets the eye because there are two entities enticing our main characters yeah. a good and an evil yeah, a the, smoke monster and a non-smoke monster yeah, the moon is not diametrically opposed to us the moon but has its own internal family drama is trying to help us <laughs> it turns out that the moon is like kind of the protagonist of the film yeah oh yeah and that there is the a, moon is odysseus there's an evil sentient ai that has been haunting the people who created the moon structure one of my notes just says of course it's ai for many millennia <laughs> Um, in the first half hour of this movie, if you were going to tell me that the phrase intergalactic war was going to come up at any point, yeah. I would have been very confused. Yeah, I would have been like, no, you are thinking of Jupiter ascending. <laughs> um, Spo- there, very large spoiler alerts. There was forward. like, it was like first people Prometheus, like yeah. start of yeah, human yeah. life yeah. shit. Yeah. They were like, throw it in went, all the heady ideas. It went, throw in all the mo- <laughs> ideas from good sci-fi movies and see if we can just make a stew out of it. Um, in the space trip, uh, Game of Thrones, who we've mentioned is not suited for space travel and was a conspiracy theorist, becomes clear that his plot line is like, let's rehabilitate an incel. Yeah, right. Where right. like he spent his life like jerking off into his computer for yeah. his fans, like the Riddler in the <laughs> most recent <laughs> Batman movie. And um, he, you will get the reference. And he- um, From Paul Dano. From Paul Dano. <laughs> that is how you pronounce his name, very strangely. Um, and uh, his plot line like is- Like hell I will. Like, let's rehabilitate an incel so he can, like, go outside again and, like, respect women. It was very weird. Yeah. Uh, Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson saved this man. Right. By validating his fringe conspiracy theories. And 
he's relegated to a life of pure jubilation as a servant to the moon. <laughs> that was an amazing statement. <laughs> this movie was pretty crazy. It literally man. has like the Bruce Willis Armageddon moment of like, no, I'm going to Harry. Like, no, I'm going to sacrifice myself. Except instead of dying, it turns out he's just going to be like the moon's cuck. Because the moon's a mega structure. Yeah. It is, goddammit. Yeah. It was hollow. They're like, yeah. The moon's Put like... Put that in your pipe and smoke The moon's it. like, yeah, you're gonna be our little bitch now. And he's like, he's like, yes, okay. Um, dude. <clears throat> the end of this movie. Where Game of Thrones becomes the moon's, like, emissary. Yeah. Like, they turn Game of Thrones into, like, a sentient AI who is the steward of the moon. Yeah. Um... Wow. He's like the moon's Alfred. I was uh I was on my feet with yeah. applause at that point. <laughs> I was like, what in the fucking world? Yeah. Um, and he loves it. And they're discussing it. He's like, so you're saying I have to like suck the moon's dick for the rest of eternity? And the, the moon's like, yes, that is correct, Game of Thrones. And he's like, cool. He was like, hell. Yes. Yeah. Been waiting for this all day. Yeah, my he's life. like, I've been doing that in my Oculus all day. <laughs> my life sucked before this. <laughs> what sauces do you serve with the pastrami? It's so weird. Wubble <laughs> <laughs> pastrami. Um, yeah, this movie really went there. It really did everything I need a movie to do at this point in my life. It made me LOL. Most movies I walk away from of this nature of the podcast, I usually say, like, this movie could have had, like, 40 minutes chopped off of it. This movie felt like it could have had maybe 10 or 15, yeah. but it, it, for the most part, was very tight and entertaining for its runtime. Um, my wife, like, outwardly enjoyed this movie, like, non-ironically, which had a good time with this movie. Yeah. We, we did laugh at the cheesy parts yeah. together, and she was, like... LOLing but like she genuinely enjoyed it and I thought it was a gas even I want to say the CGI in this movie was spectacular yeah there were some great effects I will say my one I love complaint the, 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 the synth noise of every time the fucking monster showed up you mean the moon yeah well the moon's the, oh, moon's, the moon's black AI black monster. smoke monster yeah there's a lot of whomping it was on. very shining-esque special effects are great one thing that this movie didn't do which i thought was so fucking bizarre and it's something that i latched on to that i just like couldn't stop focusing on pretty much until the movie was over because it never happened was that you have a situation in which the moon is doing laps around the earth and getting closer and yeah, getting yeah. closer and getting closer and every shot of this is from a human being's point of view on earth of the moon rising and falling and rising and falling yeah. there is not one exterior shot of the planet oh, Earth yeah, yeah. being attacked by the moon in this movie, yeah, they spent which I all, thought was super fucking odd. because they blew all their budget on Donald Sutherland. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Donald Sutherland's scotch. <laughs> I need shrimp Alfredo after this strike. Um, they were like, Donald, you know you can't eat solids. From the shrimp club. <laughs> they put it in his colostomy bag. <laughs> um... Uh, they never showed the moon circling the earth. No. It's so fucking. And then I that would I imply the moon is anything other than good. And as we've established, Roland Emmerich hearts the moon. And then I sent you a picture of the Best Buy Steelbook of Moonfall, which I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to buy. 
It's, it wasn't that far, but um, uh, even that is a exterior shot of the Earth being raped by yeah, the moon, right. and I just like am pissed. Like, yeah. what were you thinking well, when you made it all these the shots? deleted scenes there? Yeah, I need a director's cut on this ASAP. I need a Criterion release on <laughs> like, Moonfall. Yeah, ASAP. Um, all right, uh, Dan, do you want to <laughs> give a, give a score to Moonfall? Oh, we didn't even talk about the entire inside of the moon is full of produce. How do you think the Incas got their potatoes? <laughs> what about that theory? Yeah. Uh, they set up very early in this movie this, like, stoned on mushrooms character yeah. who's not to be taken seriously. He's like, the moon is full of produce, man. And that turned out to actually be true. Yeah. This... That guy was more spot on than anyone in the movie. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, Dan, how do you rate a movie like this? And would you like to give it a rating? Uh, this movie was insane and fucking terrible, and I give it a 7.4. <laughs> oh my god! I loved it. <laughs> That's so very high. You want to do 7.4? No, I was going to say, uh, no, 7.2. Okay. But it is above a 7 in terms of my enjoyment fact. Like, at this point, I'm going purely based on, like, Enjoyment. So, so much of so many of the movies that I watch for the podcast just feel like homework. Yeah. Whereas like anytime there's one that's like, oh no, I want to go watch this in the other room with like the sound system and like <laughs> really get after it so I can have like <laughs> my uh my laptop there to take some good notes, then then I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to I'm ready to mingle <laughs> with the moon. It was just so fucking weird. It was borderline, like, <laughs> fetishistic, this movie's treatment of the moon. Um, I gave this movie a 6.75, but, like, there's a world in which this is, like, a 9 or a 10. Like, <laughs> if you just want to have a good time with yourself and not take life so seriously... <laughs> get a VR. <laughs> get a VR headset and a bottle of Luberderm. Next but, time I watch this movie, it's 100% going to be in VR. Oh, you should. Report back on how that goes. Um, it's going to be better than the porn. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean, I had a great time with this one. Didn't expect to, didn't expect to do it on the podcast. Uh, really enjoyed myself. I recommend anybody watch it who likes laughing. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, this is like what I wanted Fast and the Furious to be. In classic, just to bring it kind of to curtail it to, uh, finish off here. Uh, one of my favorite moments in this entire movie is the resolution of the love triangle, if you will, of a man and his ex-wife who hates him who Roland Emmerich always decides needs to be punished in these movies yeah right uh Michael Pena's death in this movie <laughs> dude so fucking funny yeah. um Michael Pena like sacrifices his oxygen so his son can survive but like his physical death scene is so fucking oh, funny yeah. oh, he yeah. just kind of like lays down in the snow and just <laughs> opens his mouth super wide and just gazes off into the sky and like it had to be a one cut type oh, of situation. Yeah. They were there like, just practice it. And and then Roland Emmerich was like, perfect. Yeah. Michael Pena was like, uh, Roland, uh, love, love the shot. But why, why are you doing this? And he was like, the harlot must be punished. She must feel pain for hurting our protagonist. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, she's not really a harlot. She, she divorced the guy and then married a different guy years later. She will be punished. Like, she must feel pain. <laughs> She must experience loss as she bequeathed upon her husband. You must stay with your man. This man is bitter about things that are not public. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. All right, Dan, any final thoughts? 
Uh, no. Uh, I recommend you watch Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy because this is the kind of movie that Dan usually would tell me, like, really to go for. Like, myself. I would, like, literally, like, consider quitting the podcast. Yeah, over. 100%. <laughs> so for me to, to me, uh, like, to get a good response on this one, that's a good sign. But I got to be careful. I yeah, don't, don't want to ruin my. Good I'm not health. saying to go back like to this. this well no, more no. <laughs> no, this is a one-off. But a like, good this time. is the type of thing that like I need to cleanse myself after watching Spanking the Monkey. That's for sure. You're under arrest. Like this, like this, like was like cleansing myself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <sighs> Baby, nice. <laughs>